Hello, everyone. It's me, Allison. The show is about to start, but just real fast, a quick reminder. I want to tell you guys, um, if you are doing some shopping, perhaps some Black Friday shopping, holiday shopping, etc. Like Christmas type uh, shopping? Christmas type, any sort of shopping at all. I have put together some lists on Amazon. Lists with things stuff. on them? Daniel, just... <laughs> Pipe down for one second. <laughs> Beauty stuff, makeup stuff, home stuff, kids stuff, podcast equipment, books I recommend, all of this stuff. And Daniel's dun, stuff? Dun, 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 dun. Oh, yeah. Daniel's Corner, where I put stuff that I know that he likes. But Daniel has recently gotten way more involved, oh, yeah. and he oh, put yeah. together a special Christmas spectacular gift guide for you. You guys will not even believe it. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what's on there, but it's literally uh, some things. Lots of things. And well, a whole big stuff. caption explaining if his you process. you know someone who's exactly like me, they are going to love it. And here's where you go to see all of this. Amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. Amazon.com slash shop slash Allison Rosen. And we'll be adding to it. It's nonstop, you guys. Yeah. Okay, here's the show. Bye. You guys, I lied. I said the show was starting right now, but I have one more quick announcement. I'm co-hosting a new podcast. It's brand new. It's called Upworthy Weekly. I'm co-hosting it with a guy named Todd Perry, who I'm having so much fun with, although he is wrong about so many things, especially Christmas music, but also other stuff. But anyway, uh, Upworthy Weekly, we come out on Saturdays. Please give it a listen. Subscribe. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a comment, a review on Apple Podcasts that helps out the show so much, especially because we are brand new. As I've said, between one and four times right now, I've lost track. But anyway, please give it a listen. Uh, it's a lighthearted news podcast. We're taking a look at the most popular and engaging stories from the week before that ran on Upworthy. And it's uh, it's just what your holidays need. And then when the holiday, when we're past the holidays, it's just what that part of the year needs. It's just exactly what you need. Please listen to it. Upworthy Weekly, new episodes every Saturday, wherever you get your podcasts. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen, Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm delighted to bring in my guest in a moment, but first I must catch up with producer Tony Thaxton, self-professed bad boy of podcasting. He's back after his tour that did not happen. Hello sure. and welcome back. Hello. Thank you. Uh, how's it going, Al? <laughs> you know, I like that <laughs> which is all the more reason to do it i know you know i was thinking that this was your first show back but then i was like why am i getting intense deja vu and it's because this is actually your second show back because you yeah. were on a week ago With, uh, the jenny pentland episode this is correct yeah you got all your facts right al <laughs> oh my god <laughs> what have i done to deserve i'm merely stating a fact you gave yourself a nickname uh, hey, but you know, all in fun. And then, you know, I'm not the one that's, I just said it as a joke. You're the one that continues to do it. So, 
okay, fine. But I still don't think that that, like, there's referencing your own nickname that you gave yourself, even though you said it once as a joke. And then there's calling me Al. And those don't have parody. Uh, That's right. Yeah, but, you know, you have the issue with me giving myself the nickname, but you didn't give yourself the nickname Al. So then I guess that makes it appropriate. Oh, I don't know if I agree with that, but I see where you're headed with that. You're welcome. All right. How, well, how is life? Because we've got to bring in the guests. But if there's any burning tone zone issues, y- you know, we need to find out. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure if you know about this pandemic thing that's been happening for a while now, but yes. uh, it's kind of made so that not a whole lot really happens. And I always feel like when you try to talk to me, I, a lot of times I say, I don't know, nothing's going on. Yeah. And then today I was like, that's oh, why they we- love you. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, here we go. Something, <laughs> something happened today. The, do- the dog's outside fenced in. And, uh, I hear him kind of, you know, he's not, aside from his snorts, he's not a very uh, vocal dog, but I hear him kind of like whimper. And I go outside and there is a little dog on the other side of the fence, like not with a person. And oh, I'm no. like, oh, here we go. They're going to have to like deal with this, sort this out. Going to give me something to talk about and, uh, ask me what happened. <laughs> what happened, Tony? Uh, he had a collar on, called the phone number and the guy lived across the street and he came and got him. That's still quite an adventure. You <laughs> saved and rescued a small dog. Yep. Yeah. Apparently, and he had just gotten out. It'd been about two minutes, maybe. And uh, yeah, what a oh boy, what a ride it was. Uh, was he sufficiently appreciative? Did you feel like? Uh, no, not really. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. No, he just goes kind of like, oh, thanks. In, and, did you yeah. sneak in an owl? No, or am I, I hearing? I wish I would. Now I'm going to edit oh. one in afterward. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause it sounded like you said, no, not really, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just hearing it. Oh, I think I said, I'll give you that. Oh. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, that's about as exciting as my day got today. Yeah. Because I, uh, once rescued and saved a dog as well in the same way where it was like in the street and then I texted mm-hmm. and called the owner. Uh, the dog's name was Koki and I remember texting because she wasn't answering so I texted her and I was like, hey, just want to let you know I have Koki. But I I feel like, like she was very like um, circumspect. Like I, I felt like she was suspicious. Like what's going on? And then I realized it almost sounds like a hostage ransom situation. Like I should have said, I found you, by the way, I found your dog. Don't worry. I've got her. But I was just like, I have your dog. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyway, it all worked out. And uh, you and I, you know what we are, Tony? We're heroes. Yeah, exactly. We maybe we're not going to be appreciated in our lifetimes. But but this podcast is going to live forever. And people will hear this in hundreds of years and heroes. That's right. Because I think in a hundred years they're going to be going back into my back episodes, and they're like, oh, "Let's listen sure. to that one." You know what? Sure. Just okay. I'm going to bring in my guest in one more. I just have a real quick update for people who have been paying attention. I have. I don't know if it was on Patreon episode or regular episode that I talked about. Patreon. Thank you. Extremely fat squirrel that like bounces around in the tree that I can see while I'm re- podcasting, and he's so he or she or they is so fat that the tree is like it almost it, it's almost like a, a slingshot like it, it really uh, it bounces wildly around so i've been thinking is this squirrel pregnant um and now today it's two squirrels it's the uh pleasantly plump one and then another one are they a couple what's is this 
a doula? What's going on? I wish I, I could know, interview Al. them. Did you just, what did you just say? I said, I don't know. You said, I don't know, Al. I, you'll have to check the, check the uh, recording back later. You're Al lighting me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just big. It's breaking news in the squirrel world. Um, oh, yeah. I feel like I should film them and, and put that up on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're trying to go viral. I know what's going on. That's right. I am. <laughs> uh, look, I've gone viral for less or haven't gone viral at all. But still, anyway, okay, you guys, you are going to love this guest. Quite possibly you already yeah. know him because he is the creme de la creme of podcasters. He's a comedian. He's an actor. He's a podcaster. You know him from the High and Mighty podcast, which I just did, and I had a delightful time. It has not aired yet. Um, you also know him from Action Boys. You know him from Spotify, Green Room, The Movie Buff. You also know him from frequent appearances uh, on Comedy Bang Bang, Doughboys, and a ton of others. Please put your hands together for John Gabris. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Uh- Hi, Tony. Long time no see as well. Um, And if I could just quote our friend Paul Simon here, Tony, you can call me out. (laughs) If you'd like, you can call me out. See, (laughs) I think that that song put a bad message out there. And that the Chevy message, Chase was a good guy. Yeah, <laughs> two bad messages. One, the Chevy Chase situation, and two, the idea that like you can call people Al when really I think you need consent. You need to ask because not every Al appreciates Al, and also, not every Albert wants to go by Al. Not every Allen wants to be Al. Not every Allison wants to be Al. Specifically, I, I your Allisons, your Alicias, your Alices. We don't want to be Al. I don't think. Um, he wasn't saying you can call everybody Al. That wasn't the song. I know. Yeah, he he's allowed to tell people like now you're uh, getting in like the way of his identity. He's saying call me Al. You yeah. can call me Al, and you're going. No one better call me Al. You're making this song about you, Allison. I know, but I in the <laughs> in the same way that in thank you very much in the same way that I call it Allison Rosen is your new best friend I think the other Allison Rosens out there probably there's like a halo effect of like oh they're so friendly they're nice you know when when you make a song people do what, with it what they will so I just think Al oh you can call people that by the way you guys x-rated squirrel porn is happening out my window <laughs> Seriously, you For can re- see penetration. No, I can't. <laughs> no see squirrel pen- trash. No, but there's a- <laughs> no, but I mean, I can see like okay. Imagine doggy style. I know you uh, with dogs. I can't stop <laughs> imagining it. <laughs> like one squirrel is mount. Oh, now yeah, I believe one- they call it squirrel style. But uh- <laughs> <laughs> yes, one squirrel is on top of the other. Oh my god! And like almost and biting the back of its neck. Ooh, I would assume because of tail size that from behind would be difficult for these I animals. I was thinking the but, same thing. <laughs> but maybe, because I, 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 my brain first went to, oh, the tail must be a big part of it. Like having that in your face that like, <laughs> now I'm speaking a little bit too, I'm revealing a little too much about myself there. <laughs> you know, having your face covered and you're like, can't breathe really, like increases climax. I'm assuming for the squirrels. Well, I told you one of the squirrels is what really kind of big. show is this? This is a, it, it's a nature show. One oh, of the okay. shows is really big. So is none of the squirrel, uh, the one of the squirrels is really fat. Yeah. So I think the other one might have a gigantesque fetish. Like we just learned from Jordan Morris about on Resident Evil, 
Resident Evil number eight, I believe. Do you play video games? I don't, but I know because of my giantess fetish, I know who the giant okay. from Resident Evil yeah. is. <laughs> Dim- Demetria, Demetria. So there's some. Oh my god! I'm. You know what? I can't keep doing this. It's not fair to people who want me to pay attention to one thing, but like the big one now is just like jumping around and just flapping its tail. I don't know. Maybe this is like what it does after after intimacy. Maybe yeah. it's reclaiming its space. Okay. It's I- there smoking a cigarette. <laughs> like that's how squirrels do it. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's and- funny. I see a lot of fat squirrels. You know, I lived in New York, for, uh, New York City for like uh, 10, 12 years and saw a lot of squirrels. Mm-hmm. Moved to LA, saw less number of squirrels, but more. they're always way bigger. It's interesting. I feel like they like live longer here or something because the the couple of there's a squirrel that I catch like on top of the recycling bin or fucking around by the garbage in the back of my apartment building, and when I go back there, it looks like a fucking long tailed cat is sitting mm. on the. Fa- it's like it's a little and it's got like a gut. It's like a little unflattering. Like it's like a little squirrel with bad posture, and I'm like. I've never seen a squirrel that fat. And then I get on this pod and you're talking about a fat squirrel you have off camera. Yeah. And I'm curious if that if that's a pattern or am, is this a myopic worldview and just two people have mentioned it. So I assume it's global. I hope people let us know. Use the hashtag fat squirrel. Tweet us <laughs> at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Do you think that the squirrels are leaner and, and meaner in New York because of all the walking? Yeah, you know, you just accidentally are getting your steps in all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fat squirrel I saw get in a uh, Tesla and drive away. So. Right? <laughs> Picked yeah. up sweet greens, though, so maybe he's trying. I mean, people think of the California lifestyle as uh, much healthier, but what they don't realize is that in New York, you're just, just you know, in, in the course of a day, you're so much more mobile. I was, at least. I was, and I mean, you have like accidentally have six more alcoholic beverages a day than you w- would in Los Angeles. Uh, right. There's that too. The staying out I- to 4 a.m. is not particularly healthy. Yeah. Or you're like, oh, fuck, I have two hours. I can't go home in between. I guess I'll go to this bar that's in between the two destinations I need to hit and I'll have three beers before my next meeting or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was my life. Uh, maybe I'm just making bad choices. <laughs> Do you miss it? That on- I know you're I, you're from Long Island originally, right? Because yeah, I'm that fu- I've sorry. Well, you're the number one fuck boy, right? Correct. I'm uh, <laughs> Long Island's number one fuck boy, and now all of America's number one fuck boy. <laughs> um, the rankings haven't the 2022 power rankings fuck boy power rankings haven't <laughs> dropped yet, so we'll see where I fall. It's a weird, complicated algorithm, and it's based on last. It's like the IMDb star meter. I don't get it. I'm just right. rooting for m- myself to be high. Yes, I. Lived in New York, uh, went to school in New York, uh, uh, in New York, in the area around the city, then lived in the city for a decade plus. I miss it. I miss now that I'm like a more fully realized person. I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I'm 40 when this episode airs. Uh, I, I am a little more comfortable with myself. I have some money for the first time in my life, like not good money but i i'm not worried right now right new york i was worried like every week uh i would love to go back with that energy but also i've so adapted to california i'm so adapted to southern california specifically like i don't want to step in a cold puddle ever again (laughs) i don't and like i it's not gonna happen here Mm -hmm. it happened in new york frequently 
You want to wear your Chuck Taylors to an audition in February? Okay, well, be careful. Stepping on what you think is ice might be two feet deep. Like, might have be a, a sliver of ice on top of two feet of fucking brown milk water. I you just do. Fucking go up. Yeah, I remember I was late for an audition and it was raining and I was soaking wet. And I I think I did terribly at I can't even remember what it was for. But usually in my I, I haven't auditioned a ton. Uh, but in my experience, you don't get feedback immediately. But I remember the casting director or whoever it was saying something like, if we hadn't seen your earlier stuff, I definitely like she said something negative, like, like <laughs> negative. But po- it was like if we I would have put a bullet in your head. Yeah. If I didn't see that <laughs> exactly. original tape. Exactly. Whoa, okay. Pretty negative. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, when I first moved to L.A., I had a job back in New York. Like I had a. I moved away from a job I had in New York, but they were said they would fly me in for it because mm-hmm. it was like not a frequent thing. What so was, I was it? Like sick. It was for the uh, MTV two show called Guy Code. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You know, uh, times have changed. Uh, don't watch that show. <laughs> and uh, but now, uh, so I fly back to New York in like January, and it's I've only lived in LA for two months, but it was November and December. I fly home in January. I get home in January. My hotel is in Midtown, like right near Times Square. It's like mm-hmm. 44th and 8th. And it's gray, rainy, uh, s- rainy, snowy slush. Like not, not like fun, beautiful New York City snow. And no, it's like past the dirty past ice. Past holiday. Yeah. Dirty ice, yeah. gray snow past the holidays. So Times Square is not appealing at all. And. I needed that. It was like having sex with your ex after you've broken up and they do something that you've always hated about them. Right. And you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Felt good to get one last one in, but uh, we are going our separate ways. And that's how yes. I felt going back to New York. I experienced it like at its worst. Mm-hmm. I lived in a charming neighborhood in Brooklyn. You know, I, the fall there is beautiful. I had all my, and just being there in the winter on 8th Avenue and everything's slushy and it's like, oh, fuck this place. Yeah. Right. Interesting. And so I- f- for me, the humid summer months in New York would be enough to make me go like, oh, I got to get out of here. I like cold, though. I don't mind cold. See, I've, I've kind of forgotten about the humidity in a way that like I've been you know, punched in the face by, I'm like, right, right, right. Just like walking out of JFK in the summer. And you're like, yeah, it gets fucking gross here. Like, yeah. and it's not, it, it gets gross. Most places. It's just, <laughs> I we're now living, I've been living in the desert for a decade. Right. So it feels fucking great. Um, so I have to tell you, you inspired me to start doing a new thing on my show, which I didn't do on this one, but I will explain. So on high and mighty, you and a guest, uh, talk about a topic. Loosely, correct. yes. Yes, correct. Uh, we spoke about yearbooks. We on, did. Uh, your, uh, your episode, I'm not sure when it drops, but get pumped. It was a barn burner, baby. Is it the kind of thing where if you hadn't seen my previous work, you would put a bullet in my head? Yeah, I kind of, I thought that over Zoom. I was like trying to find in the pull down menu, uh, you know, for the sniper to take the shot. Oh, and all I could get was a squirrel cum shot button. I was like, I don't think I need that. That seems yeah. way too specific to Allison. Oh, you mean you have a squirrel cum shot option from the pull down when you zoom with everyone or just me? I don't know. I think it's a new feature. Did you upgrade Zoom? (laughs) I did upgrade. So maybe that's what it is. It it fixed some bugs and adds the the squirrel pop shot, which is great. (laughs) Um, So anyway, uh, and I hope I'm not revealing too much of, you know, 
how the sausage gets made. Please. But you asked me to send you over a list of potential topics that we could discuss. And I sent like one. And then you're like, this, this one's okay. Do you have others? So I sent over a big list. And um, then we narrowed it down to yearbooks. And I, since then, when I have people on this, on the Monday show, which is the, the interview show, occasionally, actually everyone except you, I think I didn't do it with you because I'm like, this is your thing. I was like, could you, you know, could you send me a list of, um, of potential talking points or things you might like to discuss? It's like in my, let's see, 10th year of doing this, I've decided now to do like the barest minimumist of pre-interviews. But oh, I got cool. the idea from you, so thank you. Oh, cool. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's not always, the, uh, the process isn't always that. Sometimes I'll be like, Tony, do you want to come on High Mind and talk about drums? Like, mm. just something I know someone likes, you know, uh, or something I'm in, or... Most frequently how uh, High and Mighty episodes come together is I'm talking in real life or on social media to a a, a mutual about something. Right. And I'm like, fuck, would you want to come on High and Mighty and scream about uh, health insurance with me? Like that kind of shit. Like that's how. So you and I not engaging in real life all too frequently, but meeting on your pod, we were like, we should do it. And I was like, I got to find out because that episode, I didn't learn too much about you, you know, so I needed to like. Right. Now I would have. Yeah. I mean. Your list was fantastic, and yearbooks is quite the topic. It yeah, really. And what it I hit learned, you in the nostalgia sweet spot as well. What I learned from you in that episode—I mean, I learned a ton—but you worked in your cafeteria. <laughs> yes, I did. Uh, unofficially, I was in my cafeteria uh, for one of my off periods uh, and hanging out with the lunch ladies in exchange for like free chicken patties and chicken nuggets. <laughs> and uh, I'm in. Not my graduation year's yearbook, but someone else's graduation, either my, either the class of 98 or the class of 99, I'm in the yearbook posed with all the lunch ladies. Okay. And I have like yellow tinted Lisa Loeb glasses on and frosted tips and like a hemp necklace, <laughs> hemp choker with a seashell on it. I'm just like the most 1998 boy you could be. <laughs> Probably wearing a Stussy polo or some yes. shit. Yes, and when you say boy, I'm hearing it as B-O-I. Maybe because yeah. you're the famous fuck boy. Right. It's the bois of it all. Yeah. Were you a fuck bois? Uh, no, I kind of just randomly said that in like episode 11 of the podcast mm-hmm. and it stuck. Uh, and then like maybe 50 episodes later, my friend Cypher Sounds, uh, comedian and DJ out of New York is like, you know, the term fuck boy comes from like the guy in prison who fucks every, who like everyone fucks. I was like, I didn't know that. I mean, either. <laughs> and I mean, maybe it, maybe it doesn't, you know, maybe it's, it's close. It's kind of changed now. Kind of means like player or yeah. douchebag guy or whatever. That's what I, I thought am- it would have been. And I thought the that's what I thought it was, and I was I kind of think that's tongue in cheek. I've been with the same woman since '03, so like I am hot, I'm quite the opposite of player, right. you know. So uh, it's kind of I had fun. I had fun. I have fun with it. It's like just funny to be a 40 year old man calling yourself a fuck boy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um, so take us back. Uh, what what was uh, growing up in Long Island like? Uh, no. Yeah, we should have done a pre-interview. Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, it was, uh, I was uh, a poor, we were a poor family. Uh, we were kind of trashy, but my parents are uh, lived on Long Island. My grandparents lived on Long Island. Uh, well, they moved from like Queens to Long Island, which is classic Italian immigrant uh, procedure. You know, you go Naples, Queens, 
Long Island, <laughs> Naples. My uh, yeah, when I moved into the city, my pop up who was, was still alive then, uh, Jimmy V, uh, and uh, Union stage all all my that side, all the Italian side of the family is all Union Broadway stagehands, which apparently is a sort of like mafia light. Like oh. getting that job is like only cousins and nephews mm-hmm. and sons like only people only like people who are connected get those yeah. jobs so that whole that family did that side of the family did that and then my da- dad's side of the family was kind of like uneducated like local like all high school dropouts uh he, he's one of six kids was one of six kids and they were like his parents were like the last farmers on long island like real like no schooling uh they worked at delis and caterers and you know all blue collar my dad mm-hmm. was a eventually get a stagehand job from his father-in-law my grandfather but my dad was like a car detailer you know when he married my mom like mm-hmm. I, uh, so my fa- so that and i lived in like uh, a town called freeport uh where which is where the high school my parents went to then i lived in that town until i was like 13 and that was a fun crazy time i didn't know it at the time i didn't even understand what it was but i lived in like an all black and hispanic uh na- town and neighborhood mm-hmm. and then i moved like three towns over when my mom graduated nursing school and got a new job like now i have the hindsight to be like oh once a much bigger s- second income once my mom went from making probably like 20 something grand a year to 50 something grand a year my parents could afford to move to a bigger uh house with better school systems which is unfortunately in the white like long mm-hmm. island is very diverse but very segregated as well mm-hmm. it's like if you if you mapped it out by like skin tone it would look like uh you know like a, a giraffe or something it's like <laughs> White people live here. Jewish people live here. Uh, black people live here. Latino people live here. It's kind of like, uh, so it, everything's five minutes away. You're always five minutes away from the Jewish neighborhood or five minutes away from the white neighborhood uh, because it's it's kind of uh, all on top of each other. But we moved out two towns over and uh, that was a... Uh, in like, again, through therapy and shit, at the time, I didn't feel any of it. I didn't know what I was feeling, but mm-hmm. in Freeport... You go to a different school for fifth grade. So I went to uh, fourth grade in one school, went to a completely different school in fifth grade, then moved to Belmore to go to a completely different school in a different school district for sixth grade. And then uh, that was the last year in their elementary school program. Then you jump to seventh grade in a different junior high with eight more elementary schools. Then in ninth grade, you jump to a high school uh, with uh, other people from other junior highs and losing people from that junior high. Wow. So there was like an eight-year run when I was like going to a new school every year. Like there was like a five-year run when I went to a new school every year. And mm-hmm. I think looking back, that kind of unpacked my sort of like shame removal of like that I now have, like I have the ability to, it's narcissism, but as a defense mechanism, it's like I can walk into a party and be like, I am not anxious about this. Everyone here is excited that I'm here because I'm, and I think that energy comes from being like having to make all new friends like five years in a row when you're at your like least confident, least mm-hmm. realized version of yourself. Cause you're self aware when you're 11 and 12 that you're a loser. But you don't like you don't know you can't like zoom out and be like, but that's not a big deal to be a loser in this moment. But like when you're younger than 11, you don't know you're a loser. And then you like move Mm -hmm. schools and they're like, you can't wear puff paint yin yang crew necks (laughs) that your aunt made at the Universal (laughs) Unitarian Life Church. You can't wear this to school. You're in sixth grade. We wear jeans. The the fucking 
I moved it my new town in sixth grade. I had never worn jeans before uh, or khakis to school. I always wore sweatpants or like air wind pants. And I never uh, the white kids got roasted all the time in my uh, elementary school and uh, and junior high. Like so it didn't fate like I didn't realize that my out. And then I went to a mostly white school and then my I was still a- like able to be an outcast because I dressed. I didn't like I, I didn't have any guidance rudders uh before so i'm like now i'm getting roasted for not having jeans and for mm-hmm. not having button-down shirts and i'm like you know and like that's a whole new vibe for me and i'm like this this is whack so i i'm just like and then uh i eventually stumble into myself later on in in high school still a huge loser but <laughs> care way care way less about what people think about me and start to get that sort of defense narcissistic defense mechanism move where you're like well these people are assholes and dummies and freaks that's why they don't like me or that's why who cares if they don't like me they're dumb who cares if Mm. i'm not cool in this school this school sucks like i like got to that level and then when i went away to college i was a full-blown obnoxious animal asshole who thought he was van wilder and like lived like you know, movies have always been such a huge part of my life that when I went away to college, I think I was like, well, I know how to go to college because I saw movies about college. <laughs> and I was like, kind of just lived like everything was a fraternity party. Everything was like, you know, it was Animal House, Van Wilder, all, all that uh, Euro trip accepted, all that disgusting shit. I just was like, that's what you're supposed to do. In co-. And I went to like a cliche Northeastern college where it was like, Everybody was like upper middle class from the tri-state area. Is, and it was you just went like, to Marist, right? Is that like a small liberal arts college? Yeah, it's a small liberal arts Catholic college mm. too. Uh, so Were it's you like Catholic? Are you Catholic? I was. I was raised Catholic. It didn't didn't even matter to me. Uh, this is like one of the biggest heartbreaks in uh, in like my history is for me, and it's so minor, and it's so bullshit, bougie, uh, you know, champagne problems, but. My mom's like, you should go to Marist College. And I was just like, fine. And I was like, I just don't want to talk about college. I don't want to think about college. Mm. I don't care about college. It's dumb. I don't want to over, you know, thinking about my decision a bunch. That's gay. You know, it's like, <laughs> you just like analyzing the pros and cons. Yeah. That's for girls, you know, just trying like stupid, too hard. Yeah. Just stupid young boy shit. And I was just like, whatever, mom, I'll go to fucking Marist. Like it was down to two schools and I visited one Siena College, which was just very similar. Mm-hmm. And I got my scholarship revoked at, at the visit because I like played around too much and was acting acting the fool and the dean had a meeting with me and i had my scholarship removed so that and then i got it back through a a letter writing campaign but at that point again the bitterness i was like fuck you i don't want to go to your school wait who who wrote the letters i did i i had to like go have like i had to write him an apology letter then go have like a meeting with the dean at like uh some fucking hotel in Westbury where they were doing like a college recruitment thing. So so I got to go fucking tail between my legs. I'm 17 and I'm like, I'm sorry that I had like, I partied too hard at fucking presidential scholars weekend or whatever the fuck my, the, whatever the fuck my crime was. So then I go to Maris and then you get older and you realize you hear about schools like 
University of Hawaii, or you drive past, you move to California and drive past Pepperdine, and you're like, I could have went to a college like that, and Mm. I didn't go to a cheap college either. It just was close, right? Uh, And I realized in hindsight, I let my mom's fucking insane fear of flying and her inability to let go of her oldest son, I let her choose a college. She's like, you got to go to college; it's less than three hour drive away. I was Mm. like, that makes total sense. (laughs) I just did that, and I was like, eventually, I was like, fuck, man, I got friends who were going to school in Florida. Florida. Do you know, I got friends. I got friends who are surfing before class, and I'm fucking freezing my ass off at a and a college where a a a guy in a fucking priest collar lives on your floor. Jesus, I wish I had a little more foresight. I have a thousand questions. Um, Go. I mean, I just talked for eighteen minutes unbroken, so it's fair. (laughs) Did you yourself have apprehension about going far away? I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. I, I had not flown with my family yet because my mom never flew. Mm-hmm. I'd flown with friends and their families to go on uh, their family vacations. But like I was prepared to fly by myself. But at the same time, I was so against thinking about the future in mm-hmm. that way where I was like, college is fucking whack who cares i just want to go where the most uh, i want to go like i would remember being like looking at that fucking barons whatever that big book of like where you yeah. look at inf- it barons or well, also u.s news and world report rated them but i think there was a barons guide some to colleges. Big bu- yeah. yeah yeah exactly and you would be like look through and it would, it would just be like 55 percent women that would be all i would say <laughs> like the most heterosexual fucking 17 don't let 16 year old kids choose their fucking like that's it's we should we should empower 16 year olds to make decisions but that's too big of a decision like choose a major choose a fucking place you want to go to for four years choose who will probably be the first eight weddings you go yeah. to like the amount of stuff you choose by choosing a college is wild but your it like, sounds like your mom chose yeah, my right. mom, my, and that's what makes it even worse is that my mom just blanket made that decision for me because I was a 16 year old boy. If I was 19 and had worked one year at home or like lifeguarded at the, at Hofstra Swim Center for a year, I'd probably have a better idea. Mm-hmm. If I understood how money worked, I probably wouldn't have gone away to a college that cost that much. I would have went to a state school and not had been pinned down by debt until I, book a tv show in my when i'm 36 years old and i'm able to pay it off finally <laughs> i don't have regrets about where i went to college but i do feel like that experience was waste i didn't realize how like great and wonderful that experience was and how much was handed to us um oh yeah un- at the time not at all i was just I'd, too young yeah exactly and and and, and again i don't have like regrets because i met my wife there i found uh, rugby, one of my favorite sport there. I started playing it there. I, I was a huge comedy fan before there, but I joined the comedy group and started writing sketches and doing improv in college. So I really did develop my little personality and found a bunch of stuff that appealed to me there. But then when you move to New York City and all of, all the kids at UCB went to NYU mm-hmm. and they've been like, oh, I've been riding the subway since i was 19 years old i know i i've been go i've been taking classes here oh you've never been to this cool uh club or restaurant that's in new york city and it's like no i went to college in a small town i went to this you know coyote grill was our nicest restaurant that's where you went <laughs> that's where you, your parents took you on your birthday it was like all fast casual places um okay more of my questions because i took Keep notes going. now fifth grade being a separate school uh 
if you hadn't moved, would you have stayed fifth? Would it go fifth, sixth, whatever? Or was it like fifth grade was its own uh It was school? fifth fifth and sixth at Atkinson, then seventh and eighth Got at it. junior high, then ninth through twelfth at uh high school. Yeah. Okay. So this ra- random uh my 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 childhood schooling was like first through fourth was elementary school and fifth and sixth was its own kind of school. Like it was called Atkinson. I think it just was a big school district. So they were yeah. like, they had to like divide us kids up. Um, okay. Now when you got to the school where jeans and button down shirts were cool, but you were wearing puffy paint. And by the way, my mom's sister and I did spend a whole summer puffy painting shirts. It was, we were, I had forgotten. It was a real big thing at the time. Um, Hell yeah. when you got there, did you then, start wearing jeans and button downs or were you like, this is who I am? No, I wanted to fit in. I didn't want to be made fun of. Yeah. Like it, I, I, I wanted, I was a new kid in school. There was two other new kids in this, in that grade. And one of the kids was both of them were transfers from the Catholic school into public school. So they knew each other from that. So like I was completely just new kid in fucking like my mom would put me in like spandex bicycle shorts with like a mismatch, you know, like I'd wear like, blue spandex bicycle shorts and like a blue checkered Zubaz print shirt, like three quarter sleeve or fucking mock neck, like just the most unflattering, mm. insane shit. And I, and then I, I begged for jeans. My parents didn't want to get me jeans because I, I remember this conversation. What do you get? You're going to grow out of them. They cost a fortune and you grow out of them. So right. I, whereas bicycle shorts are more forgiving. Yeah. You can wear them for three years, I guess. <laughs> uh, just getting more and more packed the sausage in there, pun intended. <laughs> uh, I got in, I got a phone call home in sixth grade because I stole, uh, I snuck my dad's jeans out of the dryer and wore my dad's jeans to school uh-huh. to try to have jeans. But Aww. my dad was six foot five <laughs> and I'm in sixth grade. My dad was six, five, two fifty, So he wore size 36, 36. Mm-hmm. Now as a, <laughs> as a grown up, I'm like, damn, my dad kept it together. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> 30. He was a 36, 36. I wore that to school in sixth grade with like a, uh, like a ro- uh, Boy Scout belt, you uh-huh. know, like that, like pulled so tight. I looked like a fucking like little rascal. I looked like a fucking <laughs> black and white cartoon about like a hobo child. Aww. And I and the pants were like cuffed like a hundred times. And the te- and the teacher just called home and was like, "We just want to check in. You know, is Jonathan acting up? He seems to be wearing his dad's clothes." And then I got in a bunch of trouble for that, but then I did get a pair of jeans. So I got it a pair. It worked. I got a pair of Wranglers. And I wore them every single fucking day to school. I wouldn't even put them in the wash on the weekends because I'd be afraid I couldn't get them back by Monday. <laughs> so I would just come home from school, take them off, and put them on the chair in my uh, in my bedroom and be like, okay, they're going right back on in yeah. the morning. I had like three Quicksilver Billabong t-shirts in rotation, and I would just have my one pair of jeans being like, yes. Uh I wore those things until bugs came fucking crawling out of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm just picturing like you start bicycle shorts, the shirt you described, and then you end up as how you looked in that picture with the lunch ladies. This was a pivotal step on the way towards being, you know, king of 2002 or whatever it was. I do think my awful, non-fashionable, poor kid uh, clothing did make me roll comfort or purpose over fashion into my life where I was like, 
I'd rather now as a grown up, I'd rather dress like a schlub and be made fun of than wear jeans. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'll take the L of getting to wear a sweatpants somewhere because that's so much better than jeans now that I'm a grown up. But I think, yeah. And I think that's also why my fashion sense, even in my 20s through 30s, was so childish because I didn't get to wear what I wanted to wear when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I'm like in board shorts and Hawaiian shirts for like my 20s, 30s and starting on Monday, my 40s. I don't think I'm changing my fashion sense at all. This episode comes out on your birthday and that is exciting for all involved. It comes out on Monday? Yeah. Oh shit! Well, it's I uh, wish happy me a fucking birthday, happy birthday, everyone! Birthday. Tweet Gabrus. You're at Gabrus, right? Correct. Today's my fortieth. Yeah. It's his big four zero. So everyone tweet him Hell happy yeah. birthday. And then what are you, Betsy? On, <laughs> yeah. What are you on Instagram? At Gabrus as well. Perfect. Same. Okay. Yeah. Um. All right. So you described yourself as a loser numerous times when you were telling yeah. the story of uh of being a kid. What do you mean by that? I just mean I wasn't in like the cool kid clique, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, my school was kind of cut. There was like two cool kid uh, cliques, the jocks and the dirt bags is what they were called. And I wasn't part of either of them, really. But I, I, I was like, I had friends. I wasn't like, uh, like I, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a pretty normal childhood. Like, I know it's cliche. It was kind of like freaks and geeks. Like my, mm-hmm. my, without the band kids or older potheads ever coming into our lives. Cause me and my two best friends, we, we called ourselves the nerd herd. <laughs> we played video games and D and D and magic, the gathering and all that shit. So we, I had buddies, we, we were all movie fans. We were all into TV and, and like watching comedies and stuff and did not hang out with girls and stuff. But, uh, it was also my high school experience was a very, I went to a very much, and I didn't know this. I thought this was global. I thought mm-hmm. everyone had this experience. I went to a drinking high school. Mm-hmm. Like I drank every Friday and Saturday night starting in like eighth or ninth grade. Whoa. And, and all through high school. I, I went away to college. I was so taken aback when I went away to college, how few people could handle their liquor and mm-hmm. booze and shit. It's like, wait, I've already thrown up. 200 times like like i've already made all the bad choices like i like in high school i've already wet myself and had to talk to my mom about it you know what i mean like and i didn't know that that was unusual Mm. like and i was like jesus and and then in hindsight it's like now that you know what alcohol does to your body as a grown-up and with research you're like fuck i did that at from 14 to 34 right and you think that and 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 you feel that it was part of the culture as opposed to something that drew you to it. I guess the reason I'm asking is because when you said that you started drinking that young, I was I almost made a joke um, about like, that's the story of the kind of kids who would come to our school and like give us a speech about not following in their footsteps, you know, with, <laughs> right, like dare right. and stuff like that. But I also know that there are schools where that really is kind of the culture. It was kind of the culture, but I think what drew me to it was getting away from my house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, I come from a family of alcoholics too, so there's probably something else going on there. Sort alcoholics of alcoholics and mafia members. My word. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Fake mafia members. They would touch their nose when they were talking about people who are pseudo connected. That okay. was like their big thing. It's like, yeah, well, you know, you don't, you want to be careful around Jim. And right. they would like touch their nose. YouTube. I don't want stolen mafia valor. YouTube.com <laughs> slash Allison Rosen to see what the Gabrus clan would do. It's similar to what Santa Claus does, I think. It's a real connected or Christmas gesture. Yeah. I can't tell if it's like the nose tap as in a subtle gesture or if it's about bending the nose a little to be like he's the kind of guy whose nose has been broken. Like, oh. I, think that, I, I think low key that might be part of it. I don't I know. I thought it was like crooked or something. Might be. Oh, yeah, yeah. That makes sense, too. My pop-up and my dad would have espresso with Sambuca after every meal at mm-hmm. our house, and that's when they would start spiraling, talking about yeah. people and being like, well, be careful around him, because my pop-up worked at Fox 5, and then my dad worked at Fox 5, so like, but my pop-up obviously retired well before my dad was done. Yeah. Uh, outlived my dad, though. Good for him. Uh, but uh, he, uh, so he was always asking for like work goss, more or less. Uh, yeah. So my childhood was like a lot of like sitting around watching my every adult I know be absolutely wasted and oversharing. And mm-hmm. now look at me. <laughs> uh, and so you thought you would like to get in on that. I and you know it was it was a cool thing to do like the cool kids were drinking mm-hmm. it was still like weird social structure there where the nerd herds were sort of like on the outside of the field that we're drinking you know we're drinking at like school uh playgrounds and like we're still not like in the main circle with the cool kids who have older siblings who are also there but you know sort of made a name for myself just being a part and then also there's a reason people get addicted to drinking. It fucking rules. So it's like fun to get drunk when you're a freshman. Then like maybe you get drunk one weekend and a girl kisses you mm-hmm. and uh, she's drunk and you kiss her and you guys kiss. And then you connect the idea of like shit. Drinking is when hooking up happens mm-hmm. and your brain is so driven towards ejaculation that you're like, fuck it. I got to start drinking and partying every night. You know, I had like a crazy sexual experience early on in high school that I was like, oh shit. Oh, I'm living like a fucking, like, you know, this is a movie life. And then it it never really reached that part again, you know, until like five, six years later. And I was like, oh, like, and I thought like drinking and partying and chasing (laughs) it because this one time you had this positive outcome. That's the answer to getting laid is just being the biggest party animal and it's like hindsight being 2020 i met my my wife was uh straight edge i get you didn't call it sober back then mm-hmm. she was straight edge when i met her because her her and her ex-boyfriend were part of some scene got it <laughs> did she have exes on her hands no she has uh, she had no tats but her uh ex-boyfriend is like full sleeve mm. you know scream core singer what grind you know some so maybe tony could chime in here with some music knowledge or he's like no he's like don't you dare pull me into this shit dude i don't know Um, him i don't feel safe uh you know assuming here let's just take a quick moment to address tony's shirt tony i've been meaning to bring it up before what you great shirt it's a good shirt, but you have your thumbs through something. Oh, what that's my what ja- has thumb it's, holes? It's my jacket. It's just it's just a like little like lightweight jacket that I It's it, funny that it that comes has... right on the heels of talking about old bands cuz that was like such a style <laughs> for like yeah. a certain type of like music in the uh aughts. You know, it was like sort of like 
emo for you to have like a hole in your long sleeve that you mm-hmm. put your thumb through and it was yeah. sort of like wearing fingerless but then i have a few running hoodies or running fleeces that have that and that's just to like keep your hand warmer yeah that's literally I, all this yeah. is it's just like it's basically like a yeah like a running jacket and i didn't even realize the holes are in it until after i got it and I just <laughs> do it because they're there I have a few too, and I thought like, "Oh, that'll be so cozy." But then when I wear them, I'm like, "I want this off my thumbs." It's a little tighter than you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a little pulls your thumb more right. than you thought. At least for me, and that could be because of my uh, torso and upper back and shit. Uh, but I, I said it's a cool shirt to Allison bringing up Tony's shirt. Didn't know she was going down the whole thumb yeah. route. I thought she was because he's also wearing he's going SOS unzipped with a little SOS shirt on shirt. Uh, and he's got <laughs> unzipped layered. Uh, he's got a little amoeba shirt on. Yeah. yeah. A little. He's got an amoeba shirt on. It's little on it's a my little belly screen. shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's really <laughs> tiny. Yeah, I, I think it's a bib. <laughs> and he's the got tiniest of shirts. A Tony. bindi, just like Gwen Stefani. <laughs> um Wait, are you doing shirt on shirt? Are there uh, two shirts happening or is that like no, a it's jacket just, it's on just, shirt? Yeah, just a little, it, little jacket with yeah. the... It's a not a shirt. true SOS. Yeah. Which my is also is another... That's like a 90s... Uh, band, yeah. right? Like, if we're talking aughts band reference of your thumb through, 90s fashion was uh, thermal. If you wore a thermal oh, long yeah. sleeve oh, and yeah, put a yeah. t shirt over it, people were like, this dude likes Pearl Jam. <laughs> like, and then I was like, I want to sleep with that dude. Yeah. I was very sense. into a thermal under a shirt. It's like, it's more than just wearing clothes. It's wearing clothes, but it says, I have a story. Yeah. Because they I, never looked new. They always looked, you know, I mean, you bought them to look distressed already. That's really funny, Allison. I've never actually had a, a conversation about this topic, and I'm I, you're strike me as something. What was when you were a budding uh, sexual being or romantic being? What was your t- like for me? Like you just said, and if a guy had that, yeah. I was going to try to hook up with him. For me, it was like suicide girl adjacent, oh, like yeah. anything that was remotely uh, emo or. Um, make out club cope like all these like i'm trying to remember these like weird club websites i would go to to look at like cool scenester girls with and my my high school girlfriend had like a short boyish haircut and like a tongue ring you know and a tattoo and she kickboxed like i was into like any any girl who was like yeah edgy girl who had like a nose ring and wore like striped stockings or whatever i was just like that was gabrus uh Catnip, Gabrus Nip, if you will. Like hot this topic. This is Gabrus Nip. <laughs> oh my god, we just saw your nip. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I set myself up. Yeah, there you and had I, to. We're so on wait, vid. are you talking? You're talking about like the hot topic look, right? Not exactly, because that, that was like a certain look too. But it was like less goth and mm. and like my chemical romancy and more into sort of like scene stir like indie girls like you know like big right. glasses and uh like colored streaks in your hair okay. or like you know drastic hair is a, w- a word i would use like drastic makeup like I- intense yeah uh, girls who like like if i if a girl was into like movies or music in any way that was like appealing to me you know how did you feel about natalie portman in that horrendous movie garden state i was a little too old at that point to fall for her for the manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. shit at that point but i was a manic pixie dream girl guy like that's who i was into that's what i was by the time that movie came out i was a little old also natalie portman a long islander junior year prom she's 
graduated a year ahead of me. Uh, her prom, I think she went to Syosset High School, was in the same building as mine. And this is 1999, the year Phantom of Phantom <laughs> Phantom of the Menace is what I just said. <laughs> Phantom, it's the year Phantom Menace came out. And uh, she's kind of popular. And me and my nerd friends, the nerd herd, tried. We're like, we got to go into her prom. We got to rescue Queen Amidala. It'd be so fucking funny. It'd be crazy. And we were like, thought it would be the coolest thing. And I'm dressed in a, here's a 99. Talk about liking music and dressing appropriately. Mm -hmm. 1999, what did I wear to? This is the short-haired tongue ring girl's prom. She was one year ahead of me. I wore a zoot suit. Oh, boy. Tips, <laughs> of course you did. Hat, chain wallet, pinstripe. Yeah. And did I take swing dancing lessons yes. with her for months leading up to it? Yes. And then did I request <laughs> Big Bad Voodoo Daddy? Uh, yes. Oh, and then uh, <laughs> did I throw her around and her uh, foot kick a piece of the chandelier off and the entire high school went ham? Yes, yes. that did happen. We did do a good job. I, I, the pictures, I look like a fucking asshole. Like, and she's dressed like a flapper, and no one else in the school is dressed like that. It was like, I thought it was the coolest shit ever. In hindsight, the pictures are so embarrassing. But at the time, it was like, that was cool. Did like, the I had, like, crowd the, part when you guys did your dance, like in a movie? Yeah. We oh, started because, like, because. Uh, her friends, her it was her grade, her graduating class. Her friends knew we had taken classes, so they kind of helped like set up, like gather around for Gabrus and insert uh, woman's name here who did not co-sign me telling all these stories about her. Oh my god! <laughs> um, this is how cool I am. When you said Phantom of the, you're and you said I was about to say Phantom of the Menace. My brain was like opera, <laughs> and yeah. I got well, that's excited. Well, that makes sense because that is the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> but Phantom of the Menace is I was clearly my brain was heading towards the opera as well. Right. OK, so that's what you were into. And I already said I liked the grunge guys. Um, yeah. yeah, I liked any sort of like grunge sort of dirt baggy, but not like a dirt baggy guy who um, is like has scabs and is missing teeth or like not that level of dirt bag but just like no, a you little, want the, like a bad boy you, you want the cosplaying as oh, a like, yes. like guy, the kid who's got like a nice family <laughs> right like the way tony is when he podcasts um yeah so like a you know a little bit long hair he looks like he's skateboards or surfs or snowboards real well i grew up in orange county california so you know you had to have a thing for action sports guys that's what i liked tony what Hell was yeah. tony thaxton catnip when you were coming I mean, of age. Kind, kind of along the same lines as Gabrus. I think maybe, maybe not quite as extreme, but it, it really was like, uh, maybe that look, but not, not as much of the, uh, maybe like a t slightly toned down version of the, of, you know, not like tattoos and lots of piercings, but, but maybe, maybe that kind but of like hair. But like past, whereas he liked vivid hair color, you liked pastel hair color. <laughs> uh, it's more so the haircuts. I don't know. It was it's the same thing of just like I would get excited by girls uh, who were into that same stuff. Yeah, like movies and music and stuff. And like girls, yeah, they're just in that same world. But then if they happened to that, I found them cute on top of that, then wonderful. Hell fucking yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh um, all right. We have more to talk about, but I want to talk to you guys about Vegamore. Speaking of hair, I don't know if you've noticed how 
wonderful my hair looks recently. Uh, but I have been using Vegamore products. I've been using their shampoo, their conditioner, and their grow serum. Uh, so Vegamore is a transformative, 100% vegan and holistic approach to hair health that leverages smart botanicals, clinically proven to promote visibly thicker, fuller, longer looking hair. And Vegamore's grow revitalizing shampoo and conditioner kit and grow serum. Those are the products I've been using, uh, work together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. It's easy to use. You just massage the shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds. So I put a quarter size thing of the shampoo and then I massage it really focusing on the scalp and then pull it through my hair. And then I let it sit there while I wash some of my other bits. So I go maybe a little longer than 60 seconds. Then I rinse it out. Then I put the conditioner in. The conditioner is like wonderfully nice and thick and feels very expensive. Um, and then I put that in my hair and then I shave my legs. So that's in there for a little longer than 62, uh, 60 as well. And then I get out towel off. And then I put the grow serum in like concentrating on areas where I want my hair to look thicker. It all smells really good. It's like a sweet citrus. Um, and I really do think my hair looks better, uh, since I've been using it before I was sort of, I wasn't loyal to one shampoo. I have a number of them in my shower, but since I've started using this, I've noticed the other ones, they're invisible to me. I just, I've been loyal just to this one. Um, all Vegamore products are 100% vegan and cruelty-free and never contain parabens or har- hormones. And best of all, um, they have a 90-day money-back guarantee. My hair is looking thicker and fuller, and I'm getting my confidence back thanks to Vegamore. Try Vegamore risk-free for 90 days. Trust me, you're going to love them. Go to Vegamore, that's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash BFF, and use code BFF to save 20% on your first order. That's Vegamore, V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash BFF. Code BFF to save 20% at Vegamore.com slash BFF. And I also want to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. Um, if you've listened to me for any amount of time, you know I'm super into therapy. Um, it's helped me immensely. And I, I, I kind of think everyone could benefit from it uh, if they're open to it. Um, so this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. And some people think that they should wait till they're, you know, they're in a crisis moment or, or things have really gone awry to get into therapy, but you don't really need to wait till it's that bad. Um, therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse and it can help you avoid those lows. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. I have two friends who started with BetterHelp during the pandemic because they couldn't get in with a traditional therapist because uh, wait lists are crazy long. And they both are uh, so happy to be matched with their therapist. They love it. It's helping them immensely. Give it a try. See why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy. Allison Rosen is your new best friend listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash best friend. That's BetterHelp. Betterhelp.com slash best friend. Okay. So what was it, if you remember, Gabrus, that you uh, did on that tour where you got your scholarship revoked and then you had to do a letter writing campaign? I was visiting Siena College. Uh, it was for, there's like a, and maybe it's a, a countrywide thing, but there's like something called presidential scholars. And it's mm-hmm. like some arbitrary GPA and SAT score algo that you get a few thousand dollars to the school. My parents said, 
if you get a scholarship to a school, you can go to it no matter how much the rest of it costs. Like if you get oh, an academic scholarship nice. anywhere, we'll just, so even if it was $5,000 a year, they'd be like, oh yeah, well cover what I thought was the rest of it, you know, then student loans, then it's all explained to you how, don't worry, we're taking these out in your name and you'll deal with them when <laughs> right. you're older. It's like, oh, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so I'm at some fucking like big ass ballroom thing and there's a speaker and there's a hypnotist or like a sleight of hand guy. Mm-hmm. And then like the dean goes up there to speak and I am a class clown kind of uh, weirdo. Uh, and again, constantly trying to flirt and make girls laugh like that's my entire life at this point is just like and now i'm at a table with a bunch of other high school seniors who are visiting the college for a day and are you know new to me and Mm -hmm. don't know i'm a dork and don't know i'm a loser but i am funny so i'm just being very fun and i'm getting laughs and i'm just going too hard and like now i'm a grown-up and i know like how to not be disruptive but still Mm -hmm. be the come across as you know how to sneak in my little comedy and not blow an entire but what i did was distract from what was supposed to happen there of course um and so the dean came up to me afterwards and said i have to i would like to meet with you to uh, they're like how long are you in town for and i said oh i'm staying the night with a friend who goes here a kid from a grade above me and my parents like oh we'll get a hotel you could stay with that kid Mm -hmm. i'll be like i was like great it was like a monday night or whatever he's like you got to come in tomorrow morning for a uh, for a meeting with me because you know you're misbehaving or whatever and I go mm. I'm like okay asshole go out that night to, I'm a senior in high school I'm at a college bar I learned what a Dr Pepper shot is which is a shot of amaretto with a little bit of 151 to light it on fire dropped into a beer and then you smash it down and it tastes like Dr Pepper it that really does delicious. it is delicious and it gets you wasted especially if you're 18 and hard liquor isn't a normal thing right. for you right now i beer i was drinking every weekend or malt liquor or you know smearing off ice or what we had mike's hard back then <laughs> uh i was drinking some version of that every weekend never really hard like once in a while be like jp's dad uh you know we stole a bottle of vodka from jp's dad we're gonna mix it with orange juice which is a drink we know about like <laughs> and we just drank like a screwdriver one like but getting way and having the time of life all these and uh, this is another problem of mine like stunt eating and drinking has always gotten me attention too like mm-hmm. when i was a rookie lifeguard all the older lifeguards including the women would be like holy shit gabrus won another chugging contest or he did a he st- took his clothes off and dove off the high dive at the party like and i'm like attention 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 so i'm going i'm loving it and i'm having the time like Everyone else seems to be digging it. Have a great time. Wake up in the morning, hungover as fuck. Sleep through when I was supposed to meet with the... But I'm like, he doesn't know who the fuck I am. I go to class. I just want to commend my... Tap myself on the back. I go to my friend's class with him and sit through a history class, which I thought was kind of cool and grown up of me. (laughs) Uh, And then like a few months, I go home. My mom's like... I'm like, I love Sienna. Let's go. It rules. Like I met a girl with big boobs last night. If she goes there, she'll be at the same school as me. You know, like, And that's worth <laughs> going somewhere for 40 years of my life. Uh, uh, so I fucking... Uh, and then like a few months later, my financial aid packet comes in from Sienna and the, the scholarship's not included. Mm. My mom calls the school. I think you made a mistake. No, uh, your, your son's scholarship was revoked. He was asked to meet with the dean of admissions or whatever and he and he skipped the meeting and my mom is like what is all and then that's when it all unfolds he was disruptive during this thing you're a fucking child so then i have to go like 
walk like go to a local high school and apologize go to a local hotel and apologize to the guy like two months later but again i'm enough of a child that when i get my scholarship back i'm already like fuck you forever taking it away i'm going to my second choice right now just because you because it because i i think you miffed me in some way just Mm -hmm. like childish bullshit and uh I think I made the right decision in hindsight now that uh, based on my friends and my wife and all that shit. But that was a real lesson learner because I was a misbehavior my whole mm-hmm. uh, mis uh, misbehaving. I was misbehaving like my whole. Uh, there's a good sound cue for you, Tony. Let's pull that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I was a, a punk my whole life, like a troublemaker. And that was the first time I was like, oh, it's not as cute. Like if you're mm. like supposed to be there for a reason, you know what I mean? It's like, and then you're like, I have to learn that hard in your 20s where you're like, this PA job sucks, but I can't fuck around too yeah. hard. Like P- this is my job now. And people are reliant on me in some capacity, which is. Again, whack. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, therapy and sort of becoming more self-actualized. What got you into therapy? Uh, what got me into therapy? Sort of living in Los Angeles and uh, being down um, and uh, hearing from people that I, I'm self-conscious about complaining to my wife all the mm-hmm. time. I'm very self-conscious of it. And so I found myself being like, if I could pay someone to hear my problems, at <laughs> least I won't have to like put my wife in a bad mood or make her listen to me bitching about shit. Um, so I started going to therapy and then I started to feel better. I started to feel improvement. And I, I eventually stopped because I kind of got like t- too comfortable with my therapist. It wasn't really... uh progressing in any way mm-hmm. so i stopped in like the middle of the pandemic and i i, I should get back into it i, I i've got a busy f- few weeks coming up uh but i think this summer i'm gonna you know like may-ish i'm gonna get i've got some therapy recommendations i'm gonna meet with some therapists mm-hmm. zoom with zoom with them or whatever and get back into it once every comedian you know is is going to therapy you lose that, like, you know, you think for a while that you're like, if I go to therapy and I get fixed, I won't be funny anymore. Right. Like, what's cool about me won't, ex- and it's like that. No, I've just got better tools to handle all the shit that's not cool about mm-hmm. me. Um, but yeah, once you hear like every comic you that you think is a weirdo and like you like look up to is like, yeah, my therapist said blank, and you're like, oh shit, yeah, maybe it's time. Um, you mentioned that you feel self conscious about complaining to your wife. How come? Ah. Uh, I don't know. I like to keep the vibes good. And I think I have, I think I have issues with sharing my burdens in mm-hmm. ways. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like to be like, so like, what's going on? I'll be like, no, you don't need to, I don't want this on your head as well. Like mm-hmm. I can like, it's not, it's not a big enough deal for me to like let you. And, and I think part of that is because the people in my life frequently let me into their problems too much okay and i might be a reaction to that like mm-hmm. a lot of my close ones are like let me unload on you about how fucked up this current thing is or how upset i am about this current thing and i'm like you know not always mentally ready to get yeah. into the funk or hear a bunch of negative shit uh so i i think that activated my own self-consciousness of like i'm not gonna uh, you know, when so how's how is everything? Well, you know, uh, and it's like no, no, that's 
this is just a great see you around like mm-hmm. you know you don't have to like every once in a while someone i'm like how you doing it's like well you know my husband's hearing is going it's like okay okay <laughs> <laughs> you know when i say like how's it going i don't mean like hey let's catch up like i have friends that i have these conversations with but there's so many people in my life and my family and my extended family and my in-laws who are just like ready to Un- like unpack whatever they're dealing with with mm-hmm. you in like un- in like a moment's notice. Um, that's I'm just I'm just I, I, what's rattling around my head is the idea of being in a marriage where you're trying to keep the vibes good. Like it'd be so much better if my husband and I did that. But like, what is that like? It doesn't work all the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you know, friction is friction, baby. You can add all the lube you want. Eventually, the fucking gears are gonna clank. Uh, <laughs> like uh. I try to keep I try to keep the vibes positive and I I do think uh my wife is sort of a little more pessimistic a little glass half mm. uh empty kind of person so like I think we're like a good balance that way but I don't think th- like I still am in I get in bad moods and I'm still like if I'm if I feel comfortable unloading what's going on with anyone it's unfortunately my wife but I still try to keep that I keep that to a minimum, Does you know, and it's not, it's not like if I'm like bad news, like, like if bad news or something in the world or something in our lives is happening, it's more if it's something is like, I'm stressed about a work, like a work thing. Like, I'm like, I don't need to open this up. Part of it is the rationale. And I can be a little, a little too logical at times. Uh, I've been told by loved ones. Uh, but for me, it's a little bit like, it's not going to help the problem mm. if they find out about it. Right. It's, uh, gonna make the problem kind of win in a way mm-hmm. it's gonna make the problem succeed and now it's like like now you're giving I've, it uh, oxygen yeah i've shared it like now that problem is two people's problem and it's like if i could just take that and relieve someone i have to deal with it anyway it's mm-hmm. on me and it's not like un like i understand like you know talk about your problems with your loved ones and stuff but i i just i think too frequently i'm like you know you meet someone it's like oh well christ this guy cut me off on the los feliz drive mm-hmm. oh, you know and uh, uh well and i'm like okay well thank you now i have anxiety uh, <laughs> and let's go on a hike you know like um does your wife wish that where where is she in all this like does she wish you would open up more no i don't think i'm not open but okay. i am i am sort of like how was your day it was fine you know like no my i'm like how was your day and my wife's like well, lucky for you, I still have beat by beat memorized what I've done so far today. Like, and then she just tells me everything. Uh, well, I went to the flower market and, and like, it's just like, I ran into so and so, so and so, so, like, she can tell me. And I just like, you, so all the stuff I was saying about negative shit, add that to like shit that I'm just like, this is no, I don't want to bother anyone with this bullshit. Like, <laughs> how was your day? It was like, cool. Well, I did. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I saw Allison and Tony. Allison says, don't call me out. Uh, <laughs> it's like, I had, a, I had a doctor's appointment and a Zoom meeting and then I had to clean my office after. Oh, yeah. I put away a lot of stuff. I, you know, it's like, who fucking cares? about? I barely care about that. And it was my day. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like, and I understand. And again, I also can intellectualize that your partner might want to know minor bullshit details, or your friend or your roommate might want to know all that. But that's not for me. Like, then I got to answer a bunch of fun. Oh, what'd you and Allison and Tony talk about? Well, we talked Thumb about holes like, and squirrels. Yeah. And then, then you're like, why? Oh, and now you're like, I just, it was not 
it was just barely not a waste of time when we had the conversation on a podcast. Now Thank running you. it, now running it. Well, I'm not I saying you your podcast is any more of a waste of time than mine or <laughs> Joe Rogan's or uh, NPR's. No, Joe They're Rogan is doing important work. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Please, <laughs> more time for Jordan Peterson in a tuxedo. <laughs> but like, uh, now I'm telling you about how the podcast went. Yeah. This is like this is like telling you about a dream or an improv show. I yeah. just like let's move on. So yeah. Daniel, um, and I, no, I I love him. I'm not trying to bash him. But when I walk But <laughs> But <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> I know, and you were and the episode uh, the of the Thursday show that you were on was a particularly like ridiculously uh, spicy one because oh, that yeah, was the one where I came up with a script for him. <laughs> you guys, yeah, you guys were uh, processing some trauma. Yeah, to- it's not always like that. Oftentimes it's jokingly like that, but anyway. But I, well, knew and I, I was, uh, and thank God you got me on that pod because if you were just trying to unpack like emotional, like. Uh, intelligent stuff with Nick Weigner, you would have been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> great, great guy, very smart. Don't know if he's fully up on like uh, human interaction. Okay, what does that mean? I don't think he's he's a, uh, is he a little robotic? I think he needs a system. No, I don't think so. I just think he needs a system update to understand human emotions. Better. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm shit talking a friend on another I'm, podcast. What do you got me doing? That's here? Come fun. on, come on. This that's is all fun. you. I know. We everyone loves Nick Weiger. Everyone loves him. Um, he sent me a book on how to break up with my phone, and I haven't read it yet. And I haven't. I mean, I've started it, but I haven't finished it because I don't want to get to the part where it like makes me really realize how much I have to break up with my phone. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, so D- I'll ca- Daniel will be like, how was the podcast today? And I'm like, good. And I never really have more detail than that. And he'll be like, anything interesting happen? And I'm like, it, it hurts me to have to think in this manner. And I don't even know what this manner is that he's asking me to think. But something about like something that I just experienced and my brain hasn't collated and digested all the experience yet. And also like, I have this weird amnesia bubble that happens right after a podcast where I'm not really thinking. I don't know. It's just somehow like it, it's a difficult question to answer. Yeah. And I'm also stupidly pre- like present in the podcast where I'm like half, you know, it's like you're trying to create content while you're talking and you're like, yeah. I'm engaged with this person, but then it's over and it's like, oh, you know, like that was an event. And it's like, yeah. how, how was it? Great. How was it? Fine. How was it? It was bullshit. It's like the three kind yeah. of episodes you can have, right? Like, but right. you get what was great about it? I don't know. It was easy and we yeah. were laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Tony showed us his thumb holes. His thumb holes. Know? I saw some squirrels getting it <laughs> on. Yeah, you're right. It's like, because he's asking, thank you for allowing me to unpack this. He's asking as a listener, like, oh, was it an interesting episode or whatever? And I'm just speaking as a host. Like, it was good. We had good rapport. It was good. I feel like it was like revelatory in some way, or like I felt like it, it they didn't like me or it was uncomfortable. Or yeah. like those are the only Or like I, I don't think I'll have that person back on, you yeah. know, like whatever it might be. Like there's a bunch of bunch of possible options. But, but you're not thinking like I mean, I'm not putting out any good. Ep- I'm speaking for myself here. I'm not like thinking about how good the ep is on the right. other end. I'm thinking about how good I can make the conversation for myself and the person I'm yeah. talking, person or persons I'm talking to. I want to in that moment. I'm like, I just how can I make this as enjoyable for both of us? And then I know that translates 
sort of to the audience, but I can never <laughs> guess what the audience is going to like or dislike. You know what I mean? Like who knows? And because my podcast is so varied and mm-hmm. so self-indulgent, it's like not asking for people to like it in any capacity. <laughs> I think everyone likes your podcast. I think everyone does. I think you might be right. I mean, I, I could see hating it, but I also don't make anyone listen to it. So if you hate it, good news. You never put it on and you're fine. <laughs> um, so we have some questions here that listeners sent in on Patreon that I would like to get to. Patreon. I am on Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. You can listen to bonus episodes of The Friend Zone. I recently had Tony on and he answered all sorts of questions, including Whoa. some that had hot steaming tea and hot goss. Hot steaming uh, tea is one of my other nicknames. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, we should be calling you that. Um, and uh, and uh, there's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back. There's Zoom parties. You can see the Thursday show videos. If you subscribe for uh, a year, an annual subscription, you get two months free, 12 months for the price of 10. Okay. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So all right schmoo says does he have a favorite thanksgiving eve power hour or a favorite memory from them they're some of my favorite podcast episodes um i guess my favorite memory from them i think the first one that uh is on the pod not the first power hour but the first thanksgiving power hour and i won't say any spoilers but Nick Nick Weiger, the aforementioned Nick Weiger, who's now come up twice. Uh, he's this. kind of legendary on these power hours. On a recent one, he drank gravy in, uh, instead of beer. <laughs> but on one of the first ones, he shared a secret. We uh, Nicole Byer pitched, let's all share secrets. Ooh, that's Weiger shared a secret that was... And I'm not trying to drive traffic to my podcast, but I am not gonna share that secret anymore except on his <laughs> podcast or mine if i'm talking to him tony do uh, you know what it is i believe i know what it is yes oh yeah, someone's gonna uh, tell me afterwards yeah but everyone go listen to that exactly was it was it quite the uh the humdinger oh my god uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, interesting choice Wait, interesting, is that really yeah. what it is interesting choice of words allison say oh no my more. god <laughs> Say no more. We'll just say that humdinger is an interesting choice of words. Oh, my okay. word. <laughs> okay. Car- Carlos, how far? Uh, but also, if uh, ah! let, me, let, me, let me give a non-throwing a friend under the bus answer for these power hours. For me, the fact that I have this recurring group of friends, Mitch, Nick, Nicole Byer, Betsy, and Mono, that are down to every Thanksgiving Eve, we're all grown-ups now. People have families. People have responsibilities. But they're still down to come to the UCB theater or in the last couple of years, get on Zoom and get blasted together. And we uh, give money towards charity. We na- It's like a blast every time. So I enjoy being able to do that. And I it makes me very happy that other people enjoy those Power Hour episodes. Going off me doing stunt eating and drinking for attention. It's the same right. fucking thing. And now I'm 40. This coming Thanksgiving, I'm going to be 40 doing a Power Hour. It's That's wild. <laughs> it's unnecessary. It. <laughs> um, Listen, I'm going to just, I'm going to make a pitch here. Whoa. I feel like we should be friends because I feel like we're doing similar things in life. I mean. That's possible. You are my new best friend. Yeah. 
But I I'm signed that saying. thing that Tony sent over the DocuSign about how I actually am your best friend once you do the podcast. I didn't fully understand it. Yeah, it's But binding. I filled it out. Yeah, I gave you my it's, employee identification number. It's binding. <laughs> Just so sign it. Don't there worry will be follow up. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, okay, Carlos Alfaro says, what is your all-time favorite meal you've had with the Doughboys? Oh, with the Doughboys. Interesting. Interesting. Ooh, if you would like to make that your all-time favorite meal you've ever had, we would accept that as well. Okay. I just love that all your questions are about the Doughboys. Podcast fans are so funny. It's like, <laughs> uh, ask him anything you want. Dude, ask him a question about another podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, sure. I mean, that's what I do, so I'm okay answering that. I feel like I was with these guys and we ate at, uh, yes, uh, Chevelle in Chicago. Hmm. Uh, and I think they have a downstairs or they are the downstairs version there. It's a restaurant in Chicago. The upstairs is a very fancy restaurant. That's either Chevelle or underneath it. I just, the food there, a friend of mine's, uh, a guy I worked with, his sister or his brother is the, or sister-in-law and brother-in-law, whatever capacity, they managed it. And we went after a Chicago comedy. Uh, where, what were we there for? What festival? I was there with them doing, oh, we did Portillo's with uh, uh, Nangle. And then we mm. went to this place after and it was, the burger was so fucking good. The food was so good. And I f- frequently eat fast casual chain foods with those guys so for me to have a non-chain meal with them like at like a non for the podcast meal was just a real real delight a real treat um but did it feel like a waste at all uh it not at all it was actually kind of enjoyable because then like i was eating for my enjoyment and yeah not exclusively for like exploration slash bits you right. know where it's like when we go to some place that I've never had before, I got to try like so much shit because I want to talk about it. And then I also love the reaction that the crowd gives when they're like, what? How much did you eat? You fucking pick like again, <laughs> stunt eating and drinking. Jill Poo 3. Are you doing anything wild and crazy for your upcoming landmark birthday in a few days? Uh, unfortunately, I am not. I mean, I'm doing something uh, crazy, but it's not for my birthday. And eventually people will find out what exactly this is. But uh, I'm just a little busy with some bullshit. Uh, and so um, and also Omicron. And yeah. uh, I had COVID over the holidays and I got a bunch of travel coming up. So uh, having a low key 40th, I do believe I'm going to punt a 40th celebration Mm. to like this summer because i want to do something outdoorsy yeah so i think i'm gonna have like my uh i we go away for birthdays with like a small group of friends and we're gonna uh we went to new orleans for my wife's 40th i think we're gonna do something beachy for me but it'll be this summer after i'm like done with some shit and when it makes more sense to go to the beach you um had covid when we talked how how was it for you it was pretty mild right yeah, it wasn't bad. I, I kind of just was beat up from it. It was like a mild cold. I think I told you this too. If it was like 2019, 2018, I would have like done shows and mm-hmm. gone to restaurants or gone to work like that. Cause it wasn't like I used to do that shit when you'd be like, yeah, before we learned about COVID. I'm sure other people are more, uh, more smart, but like not until COVID was I like, I was like, you know, like, eyes pussing no boogers pouring out of my nose being like gotta go to the office and make a hundred dollars <laughs> today or like can't miss this shift at the restaurant because right. i'm so broke and it's like uh now it's a, we so, used to call that a work ethic 
Yeah, and now it's uh, risky behavior. Right. I mean, it was risky behavior then too. Uh, it's yeah. crazy. Um, times, th- hey, times are different these days, huh? Have you noticed? <laughs> I've noticed that it seems like they're changing. Also, the world is kids, a changing. <laughs> kids today and phones. <laughs> Maureen Bozduman says, "I love Gabrus. Are he and his wife high school sweethearts? But now we know you're college sweethearts. College sweethearts. As a matter of fact." Coming up is a is our anniversary of asking to go steady. To Ooh. would you like to be my girlfriend? Because you don't date really in college. You kind of just start hooking up with someone, and then you're like, "Are we official?" And on February tenth, two thousand and three, I asked Tiffany if she would be my girlfriend. So we're coming up on our nineteen year anniversary. That's of being amazing. A That's insane. And in like two more years, we'll have been together longer than we haven't, which That's, is like a weird milestone too. Yeah. Because like, we, we started dating when I was uh, newly 21. Uh, so like eventually it'll be, I'll be 40 too and it'll be 21 years with her 21 years without it's kind of crazy that's really yeah. cool congrats yeah. um stephanie piccioni how did he meet betsy sodaro uh betsy and i met at ucb uh like betsy's one of those people that's like i think people who knew me and knew her were saying like you two gotta meet each other <laughs> uh oh and shit I- really that's so nice <laughs> yeah baby i'm talking and uh it was love at first sight when i met betsy uh she's like the funniest she's a cartoon (laughs) character come to life for the joy of others like and herself like she's such a ball of joy like and i moved here in like right before halloween or like early november in 2012 and a friend of mine was like, oh, you should, uh, I went to a haunted house with some friends. And they were like guys who I knew from New York who had moved to L.A. So they're like, some L.A. people are going to be there, too, who I don't know. And Betsy was one of the people. So officially, Betsy is one of the first people I hung out with when I moved here. Oh, and cool. we hit it off on this. And then we became buds. And then I think our relationship really blossomed. I directed... Uh, a mod team, which is like a UCB sketch team that she was on amongst legendary, very funny people, writers and uh, actors. It was the easiest job I've ever had is directing mega talented people to just be like, I'd say, say that one more time the way you're doing it. Jeff Hiller, you're an insane <laughs> talent. Do whatever the fuck you want in this moment. You know, uh, so a lot Drew Tarver, a lot of shit like that, where it's like, but Betsy was one of the people too. again, if you're ever directing a sketch show and Betsy is one of your cast members, God bless. You don't have any work to do. Um, she's going to make, you don't have to even write funny stuff for her. Everything she says comes out funny. She can make the dumbest shit sound funny. So then we really hit it off there. And then when that was wrapped, we did, uh, we've done some projects together. We shot a pilot. We wrote and shot a pilot together. We've wrote a movie together where, uh, we have very similar senses of humor and fashion senses, so we get we get along. Well. <laughs> um, Jonathan Feldman, what's the name of the making of 2001, a space odyssey book he mentioned on a previous episode? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this dude could just search making of 2001 book. <laughs> I, I believe it's called Space Odyssey. <laughs> 
Is uh, it? Yes, it's called Space Odyssey, Stanley Kubrick, Arthur C. Clarke, and the Making of a Masterpiece. Great fucking book. Even if you don't like the movie, but you do like movies in any way, you're going to love this book. Did and you know? for that person, you can easily... I'm not trying to sh- push anyone away from your Patreon, but it might be cheaper to Google <laughs> the question than to sign up for the Patreon, hoping that Allison will eventually have me on as a guest and you could ask this question. <laughs> well, I suspect he gets more out of it than just the hope. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm assuming. I'm, a, I'm hoping they I do would as well. So. If this is a roundabout way to figure out, like, you probably could have bought the book by now. <laughs> uh, and then Whitney C. says, and this is the last one, what was his first thought when he woke up this morning? Ooh, my first thought when I woke up this morning was, and today was just specifically that. I was like, fuck, I stayed up too late last mm. night because I had, I had to get up early this morning, get some shit done before I went to the doctor's office. So, and I could not fall asleep last night because i was watching the amazon prime show as we see it about the autistic people that live together including comedian rick glassman Mm -hmm. and it's fucking great i put it on like i always throw on a show or a movie after my wife's fallen asleep at like you know 10 o'clock and i'm like oh i'll just watch this for a little bit till i'm like time for us both to go to bed wake up hon let's go to bed uh i put this on I put, I think I put on Book of Boba Fett first and I put this on at like 11 or, uh, and I watched six episodes. I went to bed at like 2.30 in the morning. Oh, wow. Which I never do anymore because I always have shit to do in the morning, but I couldn't stop watching this show. And a half hour, you know, it like catches you more than an hour because you go one more and then you're like, wow, that was actually mm-hmm. really fast. Nothing feel like, look, this is going to make me sound so lazy, but binge a lot of tv right like especially i just had covid for like seven days over the holidays so my wife and i just like watched all these shows when you stumble upon a half hour show that you haven't seen yet that has a bunch of episodes and you could watch like if you like haven't watched veep yet and have been meaning to like you could watch six episodes in three hours arguably seven if you skip like if you know how to like jump through the previously ons and the next week's ons you can get like so much content into like a small, which is the length of a Marvel movie. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you can get addicted to a new TV show. So half hours are thrilling and it's rare that any show you want to binge is a half hour. Right. And just so happened this show is, and I was just like, fuck, I watched, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I signed on, I was watching it at like two forty five, going like, Oh, I have till three watched up until three, paused it, got into the zoom. And it was like, uh, they will let you into the Zoom soon. And I was like, great. Took my headphones off and pressed play. I'm like, I have to go to quote unquote work. I'm going to talk to Allison and Tony in one minute. And I'm like, well, let me get another minute of the TV wow. show. And that's how I knew I was this into it. This is a it. real was, ringing endorsement for it. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's just, I'm kind of sappier in my old age and like touching comedies uh, really hit me. And especially, I believe. Uh, stuff with people on the spectrum, Mm -hmm. uh, like especially actors and written by and like stories of. Is everyone, I know Rick Glassman is, is is everyone else on the show? I I believe all the actors are. Mm -hmm. It's a scripted show, but it's about autistic. I think they're played by autistic people and they're, uh, or uh, spectrum, uh, neurodivergent. I'm not sure what the terminology is, uh, but, uh, it's really touching. And I think, uh, I forget the name of the, freeform show i watched like an australian guy who is uh raising his autistic like half sister mm. uh and that was really it had two seasons it was really good and then love on a spectrum i really loved and then 
I think I have a bunch of neurodivergent friends because of the field I work in. Um, but but you don't feel like, do you feel like you are? I feel like I am at times. I don't fully understand. Like now that I understand the spectrum element of it, I'm like, yeah, I'm probably light. I'm not fully off of it. Uh, I'm definitely on it a little bit. Like my obsessiveness and like there's and that's self-diagnosis no one's told me that i understand that that's dangerous or whatever but i just feel some kinship but i do think the appeal of me liking them uh liking content from the neurodivergent is uh there's something at least in the shows i'm talking about i understand this doesn't manifest its way there's something there's brutal honesty Mm -hmm. like there's like the inability for sarcasm or the inability for phoniness Mm. in some people. And that has always appealed to me in art, like in comedy. Uh, One of my favorite improv students I ever had was a dude who English was his second language. He had spoken Japanese and he was learning English and took, uh, he was a Japanese dude taking my class and someone was like level one someone's in a scene with a guy who barely speaks English and they are going full-blown one-on-one panic moves. And they're like, I want, let's make love, take your shirt off. (laughs) And like, it's sort of like playing with gay panic. I think the actor was gay. So Mm -hmm. it was like, he was like playing with gay panic with the, you know, just stuff that you do in like level one improv that you're like, that's embarrassing in hindsight. But Mm. this guy, uh, Ryu, um, and I'm, I'll get to my point about Nora. That's okay. because English is a second language for him, he can't, and so many people in level one are using sarcasm or, you know, making choices that aren't truthful of like, okay, yeah, like, cause they're just, they, they're afraid to be embarrassed mm-hmm. or they're, they, they're being too nuanced with their language. Because English was his second language, he couldn't be like cheekier. And he just said, I would not enjoy sleeping with you because <laughs> I am not a homosexual. And that's what he said. And it was the hardest I had laughed in that class at that point. I'm like, and everyone's like, huh? And I'm like, that is the most honest response we have ever. He wasn't trying to make a joke. He was reacting mm-hmm. as someone would react in a situation when someone was coming on, coming, coming on them. Uh, not yet. Uh, <laughs> save that, save that for the third beat. Uh, coming on to them. And he reacted in the way he would in real life. And because. Mm-hmm. He couldn't be anything but frank in that moment. It works so well. So I find that's, again, in a business where everyone is talking out of both sides of their mouth, there's something refreshing about someone who is direct and to the Mm -hmm. point. And like something that I pride myself on being kind of frequently, you know, of like, I don't beat around the bush. I'm kind of honest and open. So Mm -hmm. I that that appeals to me in such a way. So a ringing endorsement for as we see it, but understand it might be Gabra Snip, not to be confused with. Snip. <laughs> right or with suicide <laughs> girls adjacent um please that's gamer snips plural <laughs> whatever do you know who joanna angel is uh yes and it's because of course i know who joanna angel is because burningangel.com was her uh I, I, her like indie hipster like yeah. tatted up punk rock girl i interviewed site. her for a magazine years and years ago but she was a suicide girl, right? I think so. I had known about her. One of my f- first roommates in Brooklyn was like a bartender. And he had like hooked up with her friend, like in front of her. Mm. And he was like, yeah. And he was just telling me the story. He's like, yeah, I think they were like, you know, 
porn actors or something because their bodies were insane. Well, they were covered she in was t- one, yeah. Or yeah, she was, and exactly. And he, I was like, dude, yeah. And then we like, he was like, her name was Joanna Angel. I was like, dude, that sounds like a porn. Like, and then we start like, it was pre Google even. It was probably like Yahoo search. We were like, <laughs> let's look the oh, oh okay. And I'm like, wait, you had you hooked up with this chick like from one of the videos? Like, yeah. And I th- it was like for fun, but it was weird. And I was like, oh man, I couldn't. I was blown away. So she's got a special. Pl- and then of course, once you find her their website, you know you're the you're oof. sticking around for a little bit. You're not you're not <laughs> delete you're not deleting cookies just yet. If you're a young heterosexual male like myself, yeah. Um. Well, I'm gonna let you go in a sec, but I but but now no, I'm don't. curious. What are more <laughs> like? What are more level one uh, moves that level one improv students make? And I did take level one in New York a thousand years ago. So, but I don't remember it very well. Same. I took level one in 2003. You know who I took it with is Betsy Stover, who has a podcast now. Hell yeah. Betsy Stover. uh, A lot of people's level one teachers. She's been teaching. She was a teacher when I started. I believe she still is. Uh, Oh, really? Out here now? Yeah. Or or at least she was pre-pandemic. Who knows? I don't even know what the UCB is currently as I'm talking. Uh, Right. uh, Other level one go-tos, you just, after you've seen like, 2000 virgin improv scenes like mm-hmm. people just doing it for the first time you understand like some you see people trying to interject what they've been told or they've already received feedback on is a funny opinion or a funny take on something mm-hmm. forcing it into a conversation uh uh if someone does a character for like a third time <laughs> in eight weeks you're like okay this feels like a go-to um gay panic is a big one amongst uh dudes um um over uh nervous uh women often go over sexual uh Mm -hmm. you know like a lot of it is nerves and anxiety boiled up with lack of experience boiled up with me having seen millions of scenes of just like i've seen this a hundred times through so i'm always pleasantly surprised when people are just like my favorite level one scenes were like People are like, that wasn't that funny. I'm like, but that looked like two people driving a car to a baseball game, at least. Like, my, my biggest note I would always give is like, at minimum, have you ever been in a car with your friend? And they're like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, what did you do? You didn't say, look out, there's a giant octopus on the road, right? You, they're like, well, you know, it's just like talking and like picking me. I'm like, do that. Mm-hmm. Just act, do the thing you guys have set up. Like that's the biggest thing I find is like people also walking away from the idea that they even brought. Of right. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, we're do- we're two uh, guitar uh, singer songwriters, and uh, we can't play the guitar, and we are avoiding getting to the strumming part. It's like uh, that's a simple premise. Like just just do that, and like just do- instead, it's like people create problems because they think it needs to be super heightened, mm-hmm. and it's like one of the best. Uh, notes i ever heard it was actually like a rude roast but it really worked <laughs> was uh a teacher I, uh a bunch of us were doing a group game that was just like dumb silly bullshit and he goes to the person who was like kind of instigating it all what's your favorite comedy show and the kid goes the kid he's probably you know a 26 year old guy <laughs> he's like uh the simpsons and the teacher goes i don't watch that show but do they run around like assholes on that show <laughs> 
And the guy's like, the kid is like, uh, no. And he goes, so then why would running around like an asshole here be funny? And it was like, if you really do think The Simpsons is funny, think about what makes it funny to mm-hmm. you. It's like, and I was like, holy shit, that really hit. That really yeah. hit for me. That is harsh, but true. Um, Hell yeah. It was so nice having you on the show. Thank you so much. Tell everyone where they can find you, what they should look for, etc. Thank you so much for having me on the show. This is a pleasure. I'm at Gabris on all social media. You'll probably see me in the posts uh, that Allison does to promote right. this episode. Um, I have a podcast called High and Mighty that uh, if you're a fan of Allison Rosen, I'm assuming you are listening to this podcast, she's going to be on an upcoming episode. Check out that episode. Maybe that's a way in for you. Action Boys is another podcast of mine. That's behind a paywall, and that's more of an acquired taste. Those are very long episodes about classic action movies with a bunch of dumb inside jokes and shit. But we do have some free episodes out, so whatever you're listening to this in, you can just pull out your phone, search Action Boys. We got a free feed out there, unlocked and loaded, it's called. Got like 10 episodes out there. You can get a sniff, get hooked, and we'll see you behind the paywall where the real shit goes down. Great. Oh, and then every every Monday night I do the movie buff uh, on Spotify Green Room, which is a live chat show. You, the listeners, can chat with me through the app. Um, and I'm talking about whatever big movie came out that weekend. I'm taking off this Monday that this episode airs because it's my birthday. But next Monday, February 7th, I'll be talking Jackass Forever, a movie I've been looking forward yeah. to forever. And what time does that happen? That's 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern every Monday night, almost every Monday night. That is a good that is a good time to be doing that. Um, and listen, if you like what you're hearing, or even if you don't, leave us a nice rating, five stars. You can do that on Apple Podcasts. I've recently discovered you can do that on Spotify. I suspect wherever you're listening, there's some rating mechanism. Rate the show. It helps us. Leave us a nice review on Apple Podcasts. I read those on the show frequently. Uh, and I mentioned Patreon already. Follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, show at gmail.com or uh, tweet us at ARIYNBF. And remember, use the hashtag Fat Squirrel to let us know whether you're seeing Fat Squirrels and where you're located. Tony, where might we find you? I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Tony Thaxton. And my podcast, Bizarre Albums, every Tuesday. And the, uh, the Motion City Soundtrack Tour is now happening in June and July. So, uh, all that talk of uh, that I was doing forever about that tour. Now it's going to just continue again for another six Wait months. a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Transfer all that excitement to this summer, please. <laughs> um, thank you again. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? We had a good time. But now we gotta go Yeah, Allison Rosen Is your new best friend